Hello, everyone, and welcome to Genocide News Now, a weekly news update from the Anti-Genocide Coffee Break, a multinational podcast. I'm your host, Allison Newey. You can find us on IraqProject.org and on Patreon, Spotify, and iTunes. Genocide News Now, we will be giving brief but informative updates on recent news related to genocide, its prevention, and the study of genocide. We will also be providing information and resources in each episode so regular listeners like yourself can contribute to the struggle against conflict, genocide, and mass atrocities. All the news and action items mentioned in this podcast are available at IraqProject.org. On to the news! In London, the Uyghur Tribunal wrapped up its final round of hearings and testimonies. The Uyghur Tribunal is an independent tribunal based in the UK that analyzes human rights abuses against Uyghur Muslims in China's Xinjiang region. Ultimately, it aims to determine if actions against Uyghurs constitute genocide. The tribunal's first round of hearings was held in June 2021, and the second round of hearings ran from September 10th to September 13th. Research has shown that the mass incarceration of Uyghurs in China began in 2017 with strong support from the Chinese central government. Atrocities committed against Uyghurs since then include the sterilization of women, forced labor, population control initiatives, and the mass incarceration of Uyghurs in concentration camps. In these camps, Uyghurs are also forced to renounce Islam, eat pork, drink alcohol, and are monitored to ensure that they do not pray. The Chinese government denies the existence of concentration camps and the allegations of genocide. According to Radio Free Asia, China asked the UK government to prevent organizers from conducting hearings. The tribunal is expected to issue a final verdict on whether China is committing genocide or crimes against humanity in December. New York Magazine's Intelligencer published a very helpful overview and analysis of the persecution of the Uyghurs on September 15th by Joseph Stepp, entitled, What is China Doing to the Uyghurs in Xinjiang? Among other things, it offers a very concise historical overview, as well as a synopsis of the international response since 2020. This piece is very interesting and could be a very useful teaching tool for those of you who are educators. Moving to North America, the British newspaper The Guardian has created a map of unmarked graves of Indigenous children at the sites of Canadian residential schools. These maps are an important development in the education of residential schools, indigenous populations, and cultural genocide. They document the history of white European Christian expansion into indigenous lands and how settler colonialism attempted to wipe out native Canadians. For example, many residential camps were positioned to be as far from native communities as possible, with some indigenous children stolen and transported over 600 miles away from their families. Child graves recently gained media attention when Canadian authorities uncovered the remains of over 200 Indigenous children in British Columbia in May 2021. According to The Guardian, more than 1,300 unmarked Indigenous child graves have been discovered near the sites of former residential schools across Canada. Residential schools were originally established in the late 19th century and remained functional for most of the 20th century. In the schools, Indigenous children were forced to, re- to convert to Christianity, forsake their culture, and forsake their language. Sexual abuse, neglect, beatings, disease, and suicide were unfortunately recurrent. In addition, these institutions are not distant history for Indigenous Canadians. Some did not close their doors until the 1990s. The death toll for these schools is estimated to be about 3,200, 
although the real number is likely much higher. Only a fraction of the schools in mass graves have been discovered, so the death toll is expected to rise. In the United States, President Biden issued an executive order on Friday, September 17th, threatening new sanctions on Ethiopia. According to a recent article by the New York Times, these sanctions have not been enacted yet, but the threat was issued in hopes that humanitarian aid from the U.S. would finally reach the Tigray region of Ethiopia. The executive order targets leaders on both sides of the Tigray conflict and demands that they enter peace negotiations and allow humanitarian aid and relief trucks into the country to help millions of Ethiopians. According to Human Rights Watch, the Tigray War has included horrific war crimes, including sexual violence, ethnic cleansing, and mass murder. These atrocities have been committed against militia and innocent civilians on both sides of the conflict, threatening the stability of Ethiopia and the African continent. Our final piece of news today. The United States military acknowledged on Friday, September 17th, that a drone strike in Kabul intended to hit Islamic State militants inadvertently killed 10 civilians, seven of them children. According to an article by the Wall Street Journal, General McKenzie said in a briefing with reporters that the drone strike did not meet expectations and he expressed his regrets. Confirmation by the U.S. military of these civilian casualties from the August 29 drone strike once again stirred passionate opinions around the world about the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. The country continues to struggle with terrorism following the Taliban's takeover of the government. Protests occur almost daily in Kabul, especially from Afghan activists, women, and minority groups who risk losing their civil rights at the hands of the Taliban. Hundreds of thousands of Afghan refugees have frantically fled the country or remain internally displaced in Afghanistan. The UN estimates that nearly half a million more Afghans will flee the country by the end of the year. The situation will most likely continue to escalate. Six of U.S. Presidents Trump and Biden's efforts to withdraw fully from Afghanistan point to the civilian casualties of August 29th as an example of how difficult it is to gather reliable intelligence without an on-the-ground military presence in the country. This raises fears of even greater civilian casualties from U.S. airstrikes coordinated from distant bases. That's the main news rundown from this past couple weeks. So what can we do to help? One of the best ways to help Afghans is to donate to organizations evacuating and providing resources to Afghan refugee fam families, as well as families still in Afghanistan. The International Rescue Committee and UNICEF are two examples of organizations on the ground helping Afghan families and children. There are also countless of other nonprofits and humanitarian organizations like these to donate to. Donations to help First Nations and Indigenous Canadians, as nearly 60% of the Indigenous Canadians live below the poverty line. Organizations such as True North Aid provide financial assistance to many Indigenous communities. Canada Helps also has a list of charities and organizations to donate to that are both Indigenous-run and support Indigenous communities. One can also advocate for Indigenous rights by contacting MPs or elected officials. Supporting Indigenous artists, authors, and creatives also helps financially support Canadian Indigenous communities and individuals. It is difficult to directly help Uyghur Muslims in China as the government has cut off their contact with the outside world. However, donating to Uyghur populations in other countries such as Turkey is still a viable option. 
There is a popular campaign by LaunchGood.com that has raised nearly 66,000 pounds in support of Uyghur children all over the world. In addition, one can sign petitions asking politicians to condemn China's treatment of Uyghurs and petitions asking the International Olympic Committee to disallow China from hosting the 2022 Olympics unless they close the Uyghur concentration camps. Finally, contacting elected officials is another easy way to help. Organizations like Amnesty International have drafted letters to send to elected officials, so all one has to do is copy the letter and send it. And that's the news for today. Thank you for listening with us today. Have a great day. Hope to see you next week.